Welcome to the Cosmic Circle, the official podcast for thecosmiccircus.com. I'm Isla Ruby, and this is episode 30-something. I've lost count, but IMDB will tell you the true episode number. I'm very excited to talk with you all today. Um, We are going back to our roots. I think the last podcast or last couple podcasts ago, we talked about Secret Invasion. We talked about Barbie. And today we're going to talk about a superhero or a comic book movie, The Blue Beetle. I'm joined by two of my very favorite people as special guests, Anthony and Vic. Howdy, howdy. Or should I say, buenas tardes. <laughs> I'm going to say buenas noches. Because it's 1 a.m. It's <laughs> very late for Vic. We are spread across time zones across the entire world. But we love you guys all so much that we're we're here to talk. Nothing going to stop the power of family. <laughs> family is our superpower but we'll get into that um so there are going to be spoilers in case you you know couldn't figure it out or haven't listened to another podcast so cover your ears with some very blue headphones um and hop on in all right guys so i'm going to ask your initial impressions what did you think of the movie the blue beetle i'll go first i mean obviously i've been very excited about this movie for a while it's and, been years uh, at this point, right? Essentially. I mean, <laughs> really, uh, I, I apologize in advance. I will get emotional recording this. Just the topic alone is making me tear up right now. But just from the get-go, guys, remember, this movie was initially going to be straight to streaming. It was going to be on and, HBO Max, right? Yep. And I remember fist pumping the air the moment they said, this is going to theaters. You know, I'm like, yep. Finally. And um, last summer, last fall, I completely threw myself into comics for a good four months. And and I Blue Beetle was like something that I just spent about three weeks straight reading. So finally seeing Jaime on the big screen was just incredible. I was so happy. Um, I do have some, you know, genuine criticisms about how generic it is. It's similar to other origin stories. And i was left very, very unimpressed with the villains, both Victoria Cord and Carapax, oh. uh, which which I'll get into later and in my written review as well. But there's a lot to unpack. But as far as the general, you know, like when I walked out of there, I was left very wowed. Uh, the suit looked amazing in pretty much every single scene. I The only CGI complaints I had was like that King's Crossing type moment with his dad. That looked bad. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It looked bad. Sorry. But apart from that, the movie looked incredible. Um, It hit the essence of what was most important, which is family and how they all blend together. I don't think a single person was either under or misutilized. And, you know, you're talking about a handful of folks, grandma, mom, sister, dad, uncle. That's five people right there. That's not necessarily easy. I mean, the first Shazam movie did a great job, and I think it had seven, you know, if you want to include the, what, all five kids and the parents. So DC has a pretty good, in my impression, rolling when it comes to this aspect, which is family. And for them to do it with the Latino family and to do it so well was the best thing that could happen to me this year. Yeah. How about you, Vic? Well, it's weird for me because I didn't care about Blue Beetle. Like, I think I my first time with Blue Beetle was in Batman the Brave and the Bold, the animation cartoon. Uh, 
from like 50, 15 years ago. Yep. <laughs> and it's such a such a long time. And he was a great character there. Like, I don't know if they imply. I don't know if they improvised some lines uh, of him there, but I read that inspiration of Blue Beetle. Uh, the one in the Brave and the Bold was like from the comics from the eighties about teenagers, like it was some weird comic book series. I don't remember its name, but it's not important. Was it Teen, was it teen Titans? Because I know I had also read that there was a lot of borrowing from Teen Titans. Yeah, maybe it was Teen Titans, but I think it was some something similar similar to Riverdale. Oh, comics, okay. Archie comics, yeah, something similar to that, and. The next time that I was that I happened to get familiar with the Beatles was in Injustice Two. Such a great movie, such a great game, such a great story, and Blue Beetle was a very important part of it. It was essential to the story in some in some way at least. And I recently decided to replay it before before the movie, and it was a really good decision because I started to notice some more things uh, about him connecting the thing, things from the trailer to the things from the game, from the Brave and the Bold series and from the comic books. And I was kind of hyped, even though I'm not a Latino. Uh, I don't have a Latino heritage or, and all that, at least none that I know of. Um, but today, I so two movies. My favorite DC movie of recent of past few years, The Flash. And after it, I watched The Blue Beetle because it was a crazy day. And I really enjoyed Blue Beetle, even though that I walked out of the Flash and I was still hyped about this movie. So, so yeah, I loved Blue Beetle. Like, I would give it seven, eight out of ten. Like, now, if you asked me when I walked straight out of the screening room, seven out, eight out of ten. Right now, it's about around seven and a half. All right, yeah. It's good. I had some problems with it. I still have some problems with it, but they are not major problems like with Shazam, Fury of the Gods, for example. But yeah, but still a really good movie and I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised that it was meant to go straight to streaming. Like you can see it. I think that um, that Anthony, your point that like you were so happy when, you know, you read that it went it made the jump, right? It was going to be streaming mm-hmm. and then they changed it in pre-production to yeah. theatrical. I think um, I think at that moment, like just m- maybe the world realized that there was something special there because that isn't a decision that's usually made, right? You know, movies are usually shuttered onto streaming because they don't think the they have, yeah, a, this big box office draw. Um, and I'll, so I love superheroes. I love comics. That's why I write for the site. Um and I didn't really know anything about Blue Beetle. And that was kind of my first, um, I guess, introduction to to the character, you know, hearing that, oh, he's going to get this big splashy release. And I thought that was cool. Um, and the rest of the information I had kind of learned from our site, from reading the articles from you, from Lizzie, from um, from Alex, yeah. from everyone else. Yeah, and Vin. Um, and then we got those shots of, um, of the, the practical suit. suit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I remember. Yeah, right. And it was like, there were just Jared shots yep. and like, uh, Jolo's head was, um, you know, popping out of this, just these were like, the suit looked amazing, right? 
And I think at that moment, I'm like, I was really excited for the movie. Um, and then we got that first trailer. And that was just perfect. That conveyed, you know, so much. So then I was really excited about Booby at all. Like I, when the opportunity to host this podcast came up, I jumped and I, I claimed it because, you know, I was so excited about the trailers. I thought this movie is going to be special. Um, and that's a very long way of, of saying that, that like Blue Beetle totally met my expectations. I was, I loved it. Um, I bawled during, you know, the sequences with, um, with his father. I just like, I just was crying and crying. Like I thought that was so amazing and so emotional. Um, just, I thought it was a fantastic movie. It was very entertaining. It was a great, and I'm not, it wasn't really coming of age story, but, no. but it was no, it just uh, an acceptance, yeah. acceptance. Yeah, exactly. It was, you know, kind of stepping into this new world, you know, mm-hmm. he kind of, um, the, the whole movie was kind of about him earning his powers and like his family, you know, was part of that. He had that. And that was a big strength of him before he you know, earned his, the use of these other scarab powers. And I just really enjoyed it. And I'm so excited that, you know, we're, we're talking about it today. It's funny you mentioned the trailers because the trailers really didn't do much. Neither one of them did much for me. Really? I really, what carried it was just the sole fact of what I knew about the movie and what, and, and essentially that, that suit was just like the first thing that sealed the deal. And I'm like, Oh, thank God we're not going fully CGI this time. As much as practical. I appreciate CGI, but man, that suit looks good. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny because the 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 shot they got of that was when they were filming that scene where he lands on the car. Which leads me into one of the first things that I noticed was Carlos Ponce, which mm-hmm. Mr. Perez made a very good point of writing out about a while back that he was going to be on it. So it was one and of those he's a Puerto Rican icon. Yeah, well, he's a telenovela icon. Like this yeah. was like, if you think of like TV, like a TV actor that's always been around, this is the guy. He's always the handsome, wealthy guy who plays the lead, who the main character falls in love with. And How do I know? I used to watch them. Namely, <laughs> I'll tell you one right now, Dame Chocolate. And it's funny oh. because who else is that? Henesis Rodriguez. If you've watched uh, the Umbrella Academy, she is Sloan, the one that Bad. falls in love with Luther. Yeah, so those two used to be in a show together, and it was, and you know, just in standard telenovela fare, it's wild. You know, she gets hit by a car, loses her memory, gives a baby away, <laughs> she goes through cosmetic surgery. But to get back to the point, is like Carlos. You've seen Carlos. You grow up with him, and it's just like a blink and you miss it. But when you know it's him, it was just such a given. And it was so funny because it was just so brief. Like, dude, my car. It, it was like a Bentley, right? I, I was looking at the IMDb <laughs> yeah. credits and it's like he's he's credited as Bentley owner. But, you yep. know, if if you knew, you knew. And he's like an actor yeah. that's crossed over to mainstream. Um, yes. Like if you see his face, you know who he is, like mm-hmm. regular people on the street. Yep. So um, that, that was like they're, they're seeing the suit and that. And then when it's seen it pay off now into the movie was neat. Well, that I can, I think that kind of leads into the rest of the cast too, because you know the rest of the cast is all pretty um, iconic and special as far as as far as you know his family goes. They've all mm-hmm. very well known um, actors and actresses. I'd say minus the sister that plays Milagro. Yeah, but that's, I that's mean, true. you've got to have some lenience. I mean, of course, like a sibling wouldn't be as well known compared to you know both his parents. Elpide Carrillo, I've seen her in a couple of things. She's been around for a bit. 
the father damian alcanzar one of my favorites he's in acapulco on apple tv plus absolutely wonderful he plays a similar character there like a father figure who knows best and wants to do best for his son and and seeing him do that same thing as alberto was awesome uh and then you know rudy played by super famous mexican-american <laughs> actor comedian George Lopez. Yeah. And anyone around my age is going to remember one thing, and that's hearing... Mr. Electric. No, not quite. Aye. Not quite. That's a couple years younger than me. No, it's hearing <laughs> this one song because you fell asleep on the couch and the George Lopez show is on the screen. If you didn't live with that, then I just don't know. I guess you just didn't have a childhood or something. But uh, then, well, then, then coming I didn't. Down to... <laughs> well, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but uh, lastly... And, and this was the one that I was like, okay, I didn't see this one coming, was Nana. Mm -hmm. I'm actually not familiar with her, but my God, great she job. She was amazing. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I said, the moment I walked out of the movie, one of the first things I said in one of the other servers, and I had like five people, I, so I said, raise your hand if you want a prequel series about <laughs> Nana and her revolutionary days. And like a bunch of people like, I want to know. I want to yeah. know. So, that was yeah. just perfect you know the it casting just the right uh, there's so much there to the to talk about she was you know one of my absolute favorite characters and I like that you mentioned actually the George Lopez show because I didn't see it in late nights I saw the George Lopez show live so it was what you I'm never old. told me this I'm older than you guys so I I like watched it on tv as it was airing uh. um and I will make this comment. It was a little bit strange seeing George Lopez with the goatee. I was mm -hmm. not used to that. That was, you know, different. But, you know, yep. that was his character. So I really enjoyed that. Well, it's really yeah. weird for me because I'm not American and I'm not even That's familiar true. with those things. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, it's kind of funny. I wonder if I can find them somewhere to watch. Them. Oh, yeah. You yeah. definitely can. It's a standard comedy show, you know, like what it's you a would sitcom. see. Yeah, it's just a regular sitcom, but it was very popular. Oh. I mean, it was one of the first, you know, it's funny. Guess who was actually behind that that show getting produced? You'll never guess. You'll never guess. Greg Berlanti. Sandra Bullock. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Yeah. I believe that. She, could, she actually went and talked to the president of ABC and was like, we need to get Latino representation. And then got basically got that green light to get that show going. You know, that's so, a, that's so she was a Betty responsible White, but for Latinos. Yes, she's responsible for his career, essentially. She gave him that big break that really skyrocketed all. Which, granted, I mean, his comedy is still popular. I mean, I listened to it growing up. It was relevant. I see that his show is still on Lopez versus Lopez. It's a new one that he's doing with his real-life daughter uh, mm -hmm. as the other lead. So I see that George Lopez is a really popular icon. He's yeah. extremely popular. He's the most popular Mexican comedian ever. Like every Mexican knows him, especially every Mexican American. I want and I want to say everyone in America would like recognize him. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. People know him. Okay, you know, that, so, I'm, that, so I'm excused. You're totally excused. You know, <laughs> yeah. Of course, you don't expect you to know. For for the listeners, Vic is in in Europe. Can, do, is it okay if we say where? Or would you prefer? Yeah, not a problem. He's in Poland, so I, yeah. I can see that that might not have crossed the yeah. the ocean. Communism, actually, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Real quick, I want to say that though that I thought that Sandra Bullock producing thing was very interesting, and it kind of reminds me of Lucille Ball and Star Trek because the only reason that's exactly that what I was thinking. Yep, I think that's such a like a, a cool thing. It's awesome. Look at that women looking out for minorities. Who'd have thought? <laughs> Do yep. you? Okay, guys. So we <laughs> talked about this in the pre-show, um, and I, I I can't tell if if Vic is ready. And your rankings for the DC movies this year. So I'm going to get this out up front. And Vic, you're on the spot because you had very strong feelings. So there was, there was Shazam. There was Flash. Um, the Flash. And now Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle. And there will be Aquaman. But I can rank Aquaman already because I know oh, it's no. going to be what it's going to be. Okay, so just remember, it's my list of favorite, not the best. Because I think that in some ways Blue Beetle is better than the Flash, but I' gonna say that Flash is on the podium. It's the first number, place, number one, and then okay, it's Blue so Beetle. Flash, Flash is on the top. Flash is number one. Yeah, I love okay. this movie with all my heart. I rewatched it about. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna check it quickly on my phone. He watched it this morning before he went to go see Blue Beetle. I know. I saw time. that. I, I had. I was. I had a. Blue Beetle screening at noon, but I was stuck in traffic, traffic so I moved it uh, at the earliest possible screening that was in three hours. And the Flash was in like 20-25 minutes. <laughs> so I decided I'll go watch the Flash, and then I go sense. and watch the Blue Beetle. Yeah, because it was tomorrow, when, when we record this, tomorrow is the last screening of the Flash before it goes on HBO Max. So, okay, I watched the Flash in total, counting today. 28 times. Yeah, 28 wow. times. Wow. Yeah, I don't have a life. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> no, that's amazing. It's yeah. like basically every day. Yeah, yeah. If you think about it, yeah. So Blue Beetle is number two, Shazam is number three, and Aquaman is number four. <laughs> yeah. I have to say it. Blue Beetle, Flash, Shazam, Aquaman. I can already tell you the same. Yeah. I'm not gonna... interested in Walker Man in any capacity. Never have been. I yeah. don't care. I could not care. Aquaman is gonna suck. I so disagree with you guys on so many levels. I loved the first. Just don't tell me Shazam. Don't tell me Shazam is the first. Don't tell me. Oh my god, I'm from Philly. Shazam is like negative three because that like movie Good. made me so angry in so many ways. But we don't need to get into that. <laughs> I've, I've yeah, we already did. We we get into that in our. In our Shazam podcast, exactly, we totally did. So, uh, Blue Beetle is my number one. Um, I'm gonna reserve number two because I think it might be Aquaman. I don't know. We'll see. And then, I I don't know. Flash and and Shazam are tied for for the <laughs> number three and four. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's never going to talk to you after this podcast. I know our friendship is over. Oh, he's logging off, y'all. He's logging <laughs> off. This you guy, this guy is looking at you and he's really angry right now. We have to say sorry it. to him. I love the Flash as a character. This movie just like wasn't it for me. I love the Flash TV show. Say I sorry. The say sorry. Flash. I'm sorry. <laughs> Your excuse. You, you guys can't see this, but Vic is holding up a Funko Flash right now. To the camera yep. um so we, we are all giving you know i'm, I'm giving my penance to the the funko flash good 
<laughs> just beware don't say anything bad about the flash because i'm gonna bring my big injustice to flash figure <laughs> <laughs> our, our our funkos need to have a battle as i'm saying this i'm looking at all yep. the little marvel funkos most of them are spider-man uh, all right dude. so sorry lizzie if you're listening we're going <laughs> back to movie. Okay. at least we're having fun i know and you listeners, especially that Andrea one person design. in Pittsburgh who's listened to us like 50 times per episode. Hi, welcome into our, our conversation. <laughs> oh yeah, we're um, the podcast. I almost forgot. <laughs> oh. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. <laughs> oh, that was too funny. That was too funny. Okay. I'm so All sorry, right, guys. So we have totally talked about this, but I want to get down into specifics. So what was your favorite part of um of Blue Beetle? If I you have had to pick one. one. Just okay, you can you can pick top three. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. One of them is there were three separate moments, but like it's just like one thing is the fact that Jaime did video game references when he was fighting. I don't know if anybody caught it, but there was more than just the Final Fantasy one. The other big one was Mortal Kombat. Get over mm -hmm. here. And then the last one, although I wouldn't consider it video games, but eh, whatever. Dragon Ball Z. Because he went, ka ji da And I'm like, yep, yep. That's totally channeling Goku. Yep, that's 100% Dragon Ball Z right there. Love that. Over 9,000. So, that, so that's one. Exactly. His off, off the levels. Um. Two, uh, I, I screamed literally in, in laughter when there was that scene when they were infiltrating court industries and he uses El Chapulín to get the jammer and everything. And he's like all relaxed and chilling in the truck. Well, y'all, the one song that plays is Selena's Bidi Bidi Bam Bam. There's video that exists somewhere on this planet of me probably in diapers dancing to this song. So it, it means a lot to me. I mean, I've heard this song so many times. I've danced to it at so many quinceañeras. I can't even tell you. So that one hit really hard. And then I'd say probably my favorite. And I think this is going to be like across the board for like anyone that's seen this movie. It's Nana when she decided <laughs> to show up with the Gatlin gun. I'm sorry, but that shit was hilarious. You know, and she goes, get behind me, mijo. And then what's she do? What's the, what does she yell? Bajo con los imperialistas. Just hang mm -hmm. down with the imperialists. Which, um, speaking of, I don't, I don't know if anybody really caught. It. I know Alex did because I talked to him about it already. But there was a very interesting statue outside of Court Industries. It's Guess Columbus, it right? Christopher Columbus, yeah. the mm -hmm. original colonizer. Yeah. So it was yeah. nice to see like that parallel because obviously Victoria is a beacon of imperial imperialism, democracy, sure, and. Uh, Military industrial complex. Okay, no, she's just a female Christopher Columbus in modern times. Uh, Essentially, for the movie, capitalism in, in a sense. Yeah, for the story of the movie. Like, hey, like we're gonna put Columbus right out front, just so if you don't get it, you are gonna get it. So yeah, th those were my top three. I had a PTSD watching watching this. I had yeah from my master thesis because I had to wrote all about oh, it. Oh. Oh, yeah. so what was your favorite part, Vic? Okay, I'm not gonna repeat what you said because it's it won't be fair. It's not fair because I want to have my free. Okay, number one, 
I'm all out of love. Oh my I'm God. Yeah, it's my it's post credit scene, but it's really my favorite scene. Like right before we started recording, I was listening to it. Like he did such a he, such a great yeah. yeah, number we, two. <clears throat> yeah, okay, wait, go. Before we, you know, before we got on to this, like the recording of the podcast, there was like 20 minutes of talk about Spotify playlists and all on all of the music. And that's what Vic's talking about. Yeah, we have to do this. Uh, okay, so scene number two, it will be all scenes with Rudy. I love mm-hmm. Rudy. Rudy is such a great character. I mean, he was meant to be a comic relief, but I feel like everybody knows a person similar to him that acts like this. Like, he was a really down-to-earth character when you think about it. Like, he was really he was right about everything he said like yes. everything he said came true y'all did anybody catch the fact that in the beginning of the movie he says that they'll wipe your memory and then turns out the carefax memory got wiped did anyone yeah. notice that because i was just like he was exactly. right the whole i did damn not time. notice yeah. that <laughs> yeah it was really 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 amazing actually and number three i'm gonna say the whole family scenes where they're when they're speaking speaking Spanish and especially the scenes with father. I really, I really, really love crying at movies. I really love it. Like every time I watch my favorite movies, I cry. I cry. I can cry even on simple scenes. Like it can be an epic scene or a sad scene, but I'm gonna cry, and I love it, and I'm not ashamed of this. So yeah. So the family scenes are my favorite scenes in all this, in this movie. And I really think this this movie did a better family mo- f- family movement than Fast and Furious did with through all of their saga, Fast Saga. So, With their universe? Yeah. So, yeah, those, so those are my favorites? three favorite moments. As, we were, as I was watching it, I totally thought of the Fast and the Furious and totally... Um like was waiting for just that little call out because I know there was a call out in Shazam to um, Fast and the Furious and I just kept expecting it um, for some reason. Um, So I had had a couple of favorites. So I want to mention that, you know, that body horror scene, you guys nailed it in how you described it earlier in our little chat um, where the scarab attaches to, to Jaime's spine and like he, he becomes one and he's like, figuring out what what is going on and his family is freaking out and and all of that and I thought that was just a really fun scene and the chaos was really well done and really well telegraphed so I really enjoyed that um so the second part was Nana's braids Nana getting the the Gatling gun like you said and just all of that I loved everything about Nana I just thought that was so surprising first of all like just you know how the character had been set up um and we we have this amazing backstory, and I just thought that was that was great. And also, I really liked um, I really liked the lair when they're at the Cord Mansion, and Jenny and um, Jaime, you know, go down the stairs, the the funky stairs with the scarab, and they discover, you know, this whole lair. Right there's the music, there's the suits, there's the blue neon. I thought that was so much fun, um, and just a really cool reveal. So I really enjoyed that part. Okay, so I know we talked a little bit about some criticisms. Was there anything that in the movie that didn't work for you that 
Um, was your kind of least favorite or that you would wish they had done better? And Vic, I'll start with you. Yeah, so basically, Victoria Court. I love Susan Sarandon, but to me, she felt like Julianne Moore in Kingsman too. Basically, for me, it was the same character. She she could you could have just removed her from the movie and it would be the same. Like I didn't care about her at all. Uh, another thing, I think that I'm not a big fan of origin stories recently. Like the last origin story that I really liked was. I don't know if it's good to say, but it was Man of Steel. And it was 10 years ago. Like, after this, I didn't like the, the, the movies that showed the origin stories of superheroes or villains. Even Joker. I like Joker. It's a okay movie, good movie, but I didn't like the whole origin story around it. So, so yeah, so Blue Beetle could have done it better for me. But I'm not going to say it was a bad way to do that, but... I don't know. I just I feel like I need some I needed something more from it. Like something more could have been explored. Like if you read the comics, uh you remember that in comics the Scarab didn't listen to Jaime for at least for a very, very long time. Like it took a couple I don't know if it was a couple hundred issues before they started to, you know, to have this symb symbiosis. And yeah, so that was not not that bad, but I can live with that. And the last thing, I think this movie was kind of too long at some points, and the whole final fight could have been removed or cut or avoided. And yeah, so yeah, so this movie is really good, but I still have some minor things that I don't like. And one my one one major thing that is the villain, yeah. But yeah. but we could have feel that it's she's gonna not she's not gonna be a good villain from the first trailers, like, yeah. How about you, Anthony? I actually have a couple things I didn't like about the movie, and and he already touched upon it, like namely the villain. Villain was very weak, um, and and this consensus I've seen with a bunch of friends that have seen the movie as well. I mean, I, I don't see a single person walking out there saying, "Yeah, the villain was great," and it's just almost unanimous that we don't like it which is fair okay you know it was supposed to be Sharon Stone it probably would have been a little bit different had they had her instead um but you know it didn't affect it so much that it killed me so it's just more like I wish they would have done better with it but I'll take what I got and um really my biggest thing about the movie I didn't like was the relationship between Jaime and Kajira and Kajira in general because Kajira like I understand she's a sentient AI that's also alien and but man there was like no personality when she spoke I mean those voices yeah. on TikTok that do voiceovers have more personality than she did and they went out of the way to hire Becky G mm -hmm. it's like hey let's grab Jim Carrey and have him phone it in why you're spending the money get the products worse out so I was very very frustrated not just that but they had very few interactions in the comics i mean she does a little more than what it was in the movie i was left lacking because that was one thing i really liked was seeing jaime react to how she talks to him you know you think about that final thing she said to him when he's kissing jenny 
that happens a couple of times in the comics where she's like, hey, you know, this is happening or, you know, you should check that out, blah, blah, blah. Um, so when, when, it, when it's all said and done, I really hope that they come up with some excuse and, you know, oh, okay, now that she's bonded with Jaime a little bit, now she actually has a little bit more leeway to talk with him or something. But for now, I just feel like all they did was say, hey, Becky G is the voice, come for that. But then they didn't do anything with it. So why? Um, and then the soundtrack for me was mm, good, but not amazing. But I'm talking about the score. I'm not talking about the songs <laughs> played in the movie, like just what was made for the movie. I I like it, but this is the way I described it in my review. It reminds me of the lobby music when you're in Call of Duty waiting for a match to start. And that's <laughs> not what a movie... <laughs> theme should be for a superhero but i think about yeah. it okay he's alien or not he uh it's alien technology so of course it's going to sound like all you know neo retro futuristic and he lives in a semi-advanced city so i can see why there'd be more technical stuff in there so those are my biggest gaps with the movie which in reality aren't that much yeah, I think I agree with you guys um, on those points. I think the, so Victoria in particular, I really wanted to know, and I, again, this is, you know, you have a lot of actors, you are trying to fit so much story, so much um, character growth in a limited amount of space. Um, even though, uh, like Vic mentioned, the movie was pretty long. It was like two hours and in seven minutes. Seven minutes. Yeah, it, it, it was pretty long for, for I guess, a movie. Um, I really wish we had known... Um, we got hints of her relationship with her brother. We got hints of her relationship with Jenny. We got hints of her personality outside of just being this money-grubbing capitalist, um, military-industrialist lady. And I, I wanted to dig into those pieces of her because I think they made her, like, and potentially make her really interesting. Um, and now, presumably, she's dead. Is anyone really dead in a comic book movie? Will find out maybe and we can talk about that later um but i just wanted more of that because i think those um those moments that those moments of humanity are just the most interesting um i agree with you on kajida um you know it felt like she was just a computer she was not actually with her own personality even though there was all this emphasis on how she chose him um and specifically him to be um you know to to bond with and you know she had chosen dan garrett before the archaeologist and she had um she did not choose ted cord um for whatever reason so she's got this um mind of her own and we didn't really see that um in those interactions um and i think those were my main criticisms of it um just like you guys. So now I want to get into a little bit about the cultural references, um, because I know we talked about this a lot over DM and like we had a huge list and, you know, there was a lot of cultural specificity in this movie and a lot of things that um, seemed like they were very, you know, like important to, you know, the community. So I wanted to hopefully talk about them and talk about, you know, what you guys thought of them. And I'll start because I saw the, I want to mention the Vix first, because even if you're not, um, you know, you're not of that heritage, like you see that and you realize, like, you know, my, my family has an immigrant background and 
like I, that was still a thing for our family. Like I, I know that like the little Vicks pot, even though they didn't have the labels is like going to help you. Mm -hmm. No, vapor rub is uh, iconic. If you don't have it in your household, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And, um, although one of my, my good friends, uh, Joseph, he, he, he didn't make a reference that cracked me up. He's like, I give this movie an eight out of 10. And the only reason why I don't give it a full 10 is because it was missing two things, the left and the right chunk left. Oh, <laughs> and those are, those are slippers, right? Yeah. The ones that, you know, mom's a home yep. has a, like homie missiles, which of course he says it in jest, but I was like, yeah, you're right. We didn't see a single chunk left, man. Something's up. But then again, Jaime is a good kid and so is Milagro. So there's no need for a chancla. So I understand. But man, I sat there and I counted and I think I got like 20 references. I don't know, but I have a long list. <laughs> and some of them are through the list. Uh, some of them are worse. Some aren't. I'll tell you the ones that really got me, the ones that are just like, holy crap, I can't believe they did that. So starting off from the very beginning of the movie, I know you guys aren't going to know this at all, but it starts off with Calle 13. And they're a, a, a humorist rap group. So like, think like Lil Dicky. Like mm -hmm. they do rap music, hip hop, but it's humor. But they also speak on like things. They have another song where they strongly speak about a girl who goes to the United States and comes back and acts like she's all white. It's great. But this song in particular is a party song. Like you put this on, get people out on the dance floor. And Alex said the moment it came on that his whole, the whole theater started singing the dang song. Oh, I was like, man, I should have flown to Puerto Rico to see this movie. I was in there with like maybe 12 people. It was quiet, but you know what? It's okay. And uh, that really got me. I was just like, that's a way to start a movie and really open up my eyes. And like I mentioned earlier, there's other songs that they put in Selena, but I, I jokingly said at one point, I'm like, you know, it's not really a Mexican-American movie if they don't have El Chente, Vicente Fernandez. He's like the Elvis Presley of Mexican music. Like, Women swoon over him and, 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 you know, he sells out stadiums and everything. He recently passed away a few years ago, and, but he's still an icon. He's still a legend. So then they put on one of his most famous songs of all time, El Rey. Like anyone that's ever been to a quinceañera or anything around Hispanic people, you've heard the song. I believe you may not know it, but you've heard the dang thing. Mm -hmm. And um, on the topic of music, just because I've got a couple more that came to mind, Los Trio Panchos. I would equate them to like a really classic band from like the 50s. Like, uh, man, I'm trying to think of like a like the Ink Spots almost. I mean, mm. you know, I'm talking about like way back. They did folk music, yeah. which is popular. And uh, there were some other minor ones, but I don't really care about. I was just very happy with that final fight scene because they picked one of the most iconic hip hop groups of all time. And that's Cypress Hill with <laughs> I ain't going out like that. And I was just like, OK. It started off and I couldn't hear it too well. And I'm like, man, it sounds like they're playing Cypress. Oh, that's Cypress. Oh, let's go. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be a great scene. Everything's going to hit hard. Um, another little thing I noticed is when they were in the house, like I think grandma was going through the channels and one of the programs that, come, well, two of the programs that come on are hilarious because they reference one and the other one, it's just a great memory. The first one, Maria del Barrio. One of the most iconic telenovelas. I mean, that one is so oh, popular. But Talia, who is a young girl from El Barrio, you know, the hood neighborhood, a lot like like a poor neighborhood. And she goes off and meets a rich man. And so when they went and they're like, hey, he's just like Maria, but it's backwards. You know, he's the poor girl and she's the rich one. 
So that was really funny seeing that stereotype turned a little bit and them changing the lyrics to the song to his name. That is the most <laughs> Hispanic thing I've ever seen. Just the absolute tease. You you can't not mess with somebody when they get their first girlfriend or boyfriend or when they get with somebody serious. Like it's they you can't be left alone. You just won't be. That's life with it. <laughs> um, so I was like, man, where all these filmmakers, all the creators, everybody that worked on this film put their heart into it. They did their homework. You know, I I was so happy with with the cultural references the positive one and there's some negative ones in there too which i actually really want to talk about because they drove a big part of the story and it's mm -hmm. when carapax is having all his memories mm -hmm. the school of the americas very infamous very disliked because all they did was they would grab and displace troubled youths or just whoever they could get their hands on and yes. then they i didn't want to say it but yeah and then they would just you know beat them over the head with military ideology and turn them against their own countrymen. So for them to go that deep and put it on the screen was amazing and, and necessary. You know how many people don't actually know about this? A lot of people are going to be like, yeah. that's, that's not a real thing. They made that up. Oh, it's very real. Yeah. Very real. Like exactly. that whole scene yeah. was, was true. Based on yeah, the whole, the whole movie was the, big whole pile of you know showing people what hate speech is and fighting hate speech and not only racial but ethnical gender inequalities yeah yeah and it's Victoria really talks about it because she says you know why why wasn't i chosen to run the company mm -hmm. why because i'm a woman no yeah. um, that's another discussion yeah. she's just you know, yeah. she's evil yeah. but yeah <laughs> Yeah, and I'm um, very sad that Blue Beetle wasn't released like three or four months ago because I would have used it in my master thesis. Like, yeah, I would have. Do you want? I would have used it like, oh. And uh, the other reference were the ones on the television is when she was scrolling through is Sabado Gigante, which is a uh, literally it means Giant Saturday because it's a multi-format show mm -hmm. that lasts about three and a half hours. I used to watch it every Saturday night with my grandma. Oh, you did too? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what got me is that they showed, um, what's the name of the guy with the trumpet? I, the name is blanking out on me right now. Oh. oh, man. I can find it really fast. I know I can. I know I can. Uh, come on, come on, come on. El Chacal. It's been so long I haven't thought about him. El Chacal. So they, they have this one portion of the, of the show where they let people sing poorly for fun. And this <laughs> dude's job is to come out there with a trumpet and he plays the moment and then go, E, fuera. And then he grabs you and pulls you off the stage. This was entertainment <laughs> for me growing up at like, what, six, seven, eight, nine years old every weekend. So seeing that on a big TV screen from PC, <laughs> I'm like, wow, y'all went there. And then Rudy later on with his uh, jammer device, El Chapulín, El Chapulín yep. Colorado. The and also just, the post-credit scene. I didn't stick around for that one because I knew what it was <laughs> and I'm not a big yeah. fan. But, you know... The fact, just when Jenny's like, why you call it Chapulín? Well, when you make your own, you call it whatever you want. And then when he actually jammed it, uh, neat thing is in that scene, in that security scene, there's actually another popular uh, Latino or ex Mexican comedian, Felipe Esparza. He's the one with the long hair that comes in and makes the funny comment at the last. 
moment. Oh. Yeah. He's a very funny comedian. He, he does very good jokes about uh, Mexican-American culture in general. And I was just like, that looks like Felipe Esparza. And then he opens his mouth. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's got this <laughs> voice. Definitely him. So that, that whole thing was just great. Like, I didn't. I had no idea he was going to be in this movie. Like, Carlos Ponce, I knew that one, but that was like yeah. a neat, like, hey, what are you doing here? So it's, it's not even, I wouldn't even say they're cameos. They're just like wonderful nods to just, you know, the culture and, and history of things. Um, I do want to talk too about, there are a couple of um, DC Universe references mm-hmm. and a couple of things. And, you know, Vic will, I'll mention the Flash because I think they said Central City has the Flash. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it was the the uncle who said, yeah, yeah, Metropolis has Superman and Central City has a Flash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a talk about <laughs> Batman being a fascist, which was yeah. you know, very funny. Did you also, guys... there's a LexCorp um, yep. as well in Palmetto City. City yeah. and, so. and the Daily Planet, too. I think that was one of the advertisements, you know, in the... the... Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like on the television or something, yeah. Now, there was neat. Um, also, another little minor reference for those fans of what we do in the shadows harvey guillen before when he has that final before he's moment, killed before he has that final you know standoff tutorial <laughs> where he corrects yeah. her about his name he almost calls himself guillermo which is his name in that show <laughs> but then he's like wait my name is Jose de la cruz you know but i was like wait harvey <laughs> mm-hmm. it's funny and this was a the scientist for for people who yes. um Dr. Sanchez, yeah. the one that she kept yes. misnaming repeatedly, which is a common thing. I, I can't say how many times people I've heard people say, By the I way. can't pronounce that name. I'm going to call you this instead. Oh. Yeah, so about... like, that was actually not me. No, I have a I actually have a white name. My name is not even Anthony Flagg. Oh, I'm sorry to break hearts. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's more like they intentionally do that because they don't want to try to attempt to say a name. I can't say that. It's too hard. I'm going to say this instead. And not just that. She did another thing that I, I really like because. I've seen it happen is when she fires Jaime and Milagro, he tells she's like, get out of here. Andale with mm-hmm. an accent. I noticed that. How many times I've actually heard I've, heard, I've seen a white person tell a Hispanic person, Andale, amigo, Andale, just rushing someone else because it's not moving fast. And I was like, chills because I'm like, that is, yes, my God, these people went all the way past the skin. They know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm telling y'all, when I walked out that movie, I was blown away with what they were able to like mark upon it yeah by the way one scene that was really important in this in this scenario was go sit there jamie hi man yeah that's what i said jamie yeah mm-hmm. exactly it's, so. it's like from what i know at least from what i started it's one of the most racist things you can do to a person like this like you, you mispronounce her or his name in a way in a you americanize it yeah yep. i don't know if that's that's literally that's say. exactly what it is no that's yeah and in, intentionally term. doing it too <laughs> yeah it's like oh, it's too hard thing. for me i it's it's too difficult it's it's in what's a inconvenience for me so i just refuse yeah. to acknowledge you with your given legal name because i can't take the time to learn how to pronounce something i mean look at you guys you guys took a moment and practice how to say it and you're saying this name perfectly fine it ain't hard yeah those spanish lessons for the last year maridueña <laughs> yeah you know um but but the last thing about the latino <laughs> references was and this is the one that is the most important to me of all i'm gonna do it without crying i'm gonna do it without crying there's a it's scene okay if there are tears it might come out but there's We're that scene with, with jaime i think it was right after his dad dies 
you know, and his dad dies in the worst way possible where he's sitting there helpless where he can't do anything parallel to like Superman, in my opinion, and, and beautiful. But, you know, the grandma says right now is not the time to cry. We will cry when there's time, but there's work to do. And uh, but not just that. It was when she prayed for Jaime, the way she stood, the way he stood, what she did was exactly what my grandmother used to do with me. She used to stand with in front of me the exact same way before I'd go to school, before I'd go on a flight or anything like that. And I was just like, man, I wish she was here, you know, but uh, it just gave me a deeper appreciation that that love for grandparents and everything, it permeated into like the big screen, you know, I wasn't mm -hmm. just like casual, like she was important and what she meant and Rudy because remember he freaks out when Rudy gets hurt he knows who's important and and he stayed with it the whole time and he never once told him go away I don't need you he knew the importance of family and if mm -hmm. it wasn't for them he would have failed absolutely he was captured and they said well let's rally and go get our boy because mm -hmm. that's what family does the family was absolutely core to this and, you know, everyone's relationships. And I thought, too, how interesting it was and how um, lovely it was that both um, both his dad and Rudy, um, you know, were very um, like quick with their their love and they were very outward with their love and, and emotion. And it wasn't a bad thing. It was just a very sweet and tender thing. You know, you, you care about, you know, your son and your nephew, you express that. And that was just beautiful. And I loved seeing that and seeing that expressed on the big screen. It, it was, it was just great because, you know, they touch upon the hardships that Mexican Americans really do go through. Like talking about how Alberto was, working three different jobs at any given time to make sure that they had everything they needed. That is true. And mm -hmm. for a lot of people, it, it just don't even fathom, but I know people that get up in the morning and they'll go and cut grass. And then when that part of the day is over, they'll go and they'll be a bus boy and do something else. And at the end of the night, they'll go bus boy at a bar until it shuts down, go sleep for six hours, rinse and repeat. And guess mm -hmm. what they don't do. They never complain and yep. they show up with a smile and they work harder than anybody else, you know? Mm -hmm. And, it's yeah. it is a literally a cultural thing yeah i really love yeah. yeah i really love the scene from the beginning of the movie where he says when this when he and uh Jaime's mom she says we don't have money for it it's not time for to talk about money like when he gives 20 25 percent tip yeah 25 like, tip and yeah and she's saying you know they need it more than we do like yeah even though he's low on money he's still looking up for someone because he knows I've been there. I've been through that. They need it. I'm trying to yeah. help. Today, we don't worry about the money. Yep. Yeah. No, that was beautiful. Um, To shift a little bit, um, you know, we, we have to talk a little bit about the box office. Um, and, you know, we're nearing kind of the end of our conversation, unfortunately. Um, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on, you know, on, on the box office. Um, so we talked a little bit about in the pre-show about, you know, this wasn't a very high budget movie according to Hollywood accounting, but maybe it was. Um, and the box office I think was less than the flash, which arguably had a lot more marketing. It had, um, you know, the stars were allowed to promote it. Um, 
there are a lot of things went into it. What do you guys, what are your feelings? I'm not one to count money, to be honest, and I've never done so. I do want this movie to succeed, but I mm-hmm. think seeing how the reaction is for most people as they've been walking out in the cinema scores, decent. People like the movie. I mean, the I'm going to sound like a hypocrite. I don't really care about Rotten Tomatoes, but at least on the audience score, it's like 90 something, which is pretty mm-hmm. incredible. Like in general, people are enjoying this film. Like no one's coming out and saying, yeah, that was, you know, horrible. I can't believe I wasted, you know, two hours of my time. I understand a lot of it's paint by the numbers and it's just true, but ultimately still not a bad movie. Um, I just don't understand why we're so quick to doom a movie just because that first mm-hmm. weekend it didn't blow up. Brian, I love you, Brian, um, head writer of the Cosmic Circus, mentioned, he goes, look at Elemental. That movie did not start off good and then ended up with 400 million. Yeah. And I know this isn't a one-to-one comparison and there's so many other factors and things that make things different. But we're so quick to write it off and without realizing, you know what, it might not always be the dollars. Although I understand for executives at the end of the day, that's exactly what matters to them. At least James Gunn has said like five times by this point that maybe this movie's not part of the continuity or whatever, but Jaime is staying and he's going to be incorporated into the universe. So at least it gives me some hope that this is what, this is in my head, the best scenario that can happen. National Cinema Day is this weekend, next Saturday. Sorry, next Sunday, August 27th. And if you're They're not, if cheap... you don't, yeah, if you don't know, that means tickets are $4 for all anything. day, all formats and everything. So I've already been putting that out there on my social media to tell people, hey, go watch Blue Beetle on Sunday. It's going to cost you four bucks, eight bucks. If you go with two, do it. And maybe this won't be like a big spur. I mean, I can't imagine one day doing all that big of a difference. But what I think is this. Maybe a few more people actually go see it. That word of mouth spreads. And then there's your domino effect. And even if it's not like, oh, okay, this movie ended up making 250. It's going to hit max eventually. Mm-hmm. And people are definitely going to watch it then. And this is what most of the conversations are going to sound like. And it's going to be this. Why didn't I watch this movie in the theaters? I can promise you most of the people that didn't see it and then go back and watch it on max. And they're going to be like, huh. This was during the summer. This would have been a great time with the kids or whatever. With that reaction, you know, hopefully they see that and saying, okay, once we get the DC universe built up and looking decent, we'll green light a sequel or, or hear me out. Crazy idea. Booster gold, blue beetle movie. You can do it. Cast, <laughs> cast Chris Pratt as booster gold. Million dollars. A billion no. dollars. He's right he's, he's too no. busy being Mario. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Uh. Yeah, just don't make him the voice of Mario on Nintendo games in Nintendo games. <laughs> yeah. So Vic, what do you think about the box office numbers? Because you were the one that was looking at the budgets. I didn't look at that earlier. Yeah, I like numbers. <laughs> just gonna say this, but I think that I don't care about them. Like, just look at the Speed Racer. Like, this movie didn't make any money, but I love it. I love it. I know people who love it, but it didn't earn good money. It didn't. I think it was like, I'm going to check it quickly, but... Over I the weekend, it was... it was about $30 million, if that's what you're looking up. It 
Yeah, yeah I'm, but I'm looking at Speedrace. His its budget was 120 million and it earned 93. But I love the movie, so I don't care about the budget and the box office. Like amount of money that movie earned doesn't make it a good or bad. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, and what you said about the movie hitting the max, like the same thing happened with the Flash. It hit the HBO Max or Max in USA. And just became the number one uh, movie for I don't I think it was like two three weeks straight mm-hmm. now yeah so Perhaps. yeah so it doesn't matter how much movie costs or how much it earned yeah I don't care about it yeah. but I think that now it's Blue Beetle is now forty three millions worldwide I think that it will hit like one. 150 wow you're optimistic i'm honestly i i hate to say it but i'd be surprised if this movie does actually hit 100 million dollars at the end of the day also i see that it didn't open on the worldwide markets like it only opened in in south america south america and asia pacific and some of europe yeah so someone told me that their theater in germany after five days is already taking it off wow that is devastating to me yeah that's true He's like, I didn't get to watch it. I, it's coming off and I'm not going to be able to make it in time because I have work. Like, what yeah, do you do? What do you do? Like, is it his fault? No. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that puts you in a precarious position. It's like, well, at this point, is it the theaters that are giving it a moment to fail? But granted, we didn't talk about the big elephant in the room is that there's there's a damn strike going on right now where yeah. these actors yep. can't even promote their own movie. Like this poor kid, it's his birthday. It's his first yeah. major film role and he can't even say anything about it. It has to be yeah. his mom posting a picture of him like that is just devastating it's a very it's a hard you know he's thing pr- yeah, yeah like you know he's proud like have you seen the video when they told him he was Jaime he cried and then he yep. called his mom, and they're all crying and now I'm crying you know like yeah and they didn't get their chance and I saw another one uh one of Bruna's friends where they took a picture of her I think like on Times Square or something looking up because she can't do it like this yep. sucks you know you have to play the game and and hopefully the writers and actors get what they deserve but it just i feel so bad for them i know they're proud they can't tell anybody they want to shout it yeah. from the rooftops but you know they can't and i'll do it for them I exactly and i, I think that's higher stunt doubles <laughs> that's where the blue beetle battalion comes in right that's where yeah. where all these folks talking about it that's where we come in and you know to echo what you guys said i really want this to do well because i think you know, it's just such a charming movie and I want to see more of this universe, um, which actually brings me back to our Can we have time for questions? one last thing? Yeah, I think I know what it. it. I think What's I know up? what it is. I know Do what you wanna... you're Can yeah. I say it? Sure. Okay, I'm just saying it. That was absolutely, without a doubt, Jason Sudeikis. I've watched Ted Lasso yeah. five times over. <laughs> I have watched SNL for 15 years. That was Jason. You can't convince me otherwise. Or if it yeah. was, it was a really good voice actor doing his likeness. You can't. Con- I'm sorry. That was that was Jason. Look at the photo. That was him. Listen to the music. It was a Ted Lasso music. Ted, Ted Lasso team. Definitely. Yes. So Ted Cord, if if you guys, I don't know why you're listening to it if you haven't seen the Blue Beetle yet. But um, again, huge spoiler. Um, their mid credit scene is this very grainy um video transmission of someone that you're gonna have to convince me otherwise that it's not Jason Sudeikis. Um, saying, yeah. you know, I'm alive. Tell Jenny. Um, yep. Be continued, basically. Fun fact: 
it was the, this similar scene was supposed to be in the Flash, and the original post credit scene for the Blue Beetle was different, but I changed it. <laughs> so now the original scene, post credit scene from the Flash, where Ben Affleck was supposed to call Barry, help find us, help us. In I think it was yeah, it was similar to this where it's the Barry's in the apartment and all the monitors turned on. Yeah, so now they imply they used it in the Blue Beetle, which I think is. Nice, really nice. Yeah. Well done because they can always escape the fact if they don't ever get him or if they don't end up using him, they can always say, "Well, we didn't actually show you him, so it wasn't." Or, him. or maybe he didn't want to do it because there was a strike, and if the, if they showed his face, well, it wouldn't be good. Because oh, you know, on. I'm gonna record... say my list is reporting from a long time ago when she. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm, the cosmic I'm just saying, I remember that. I remember that. Of course, I don't ever yeah. forget it. I'm not gonna argue. It was just a snakes. She gave me like a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. She goes, "I'm about to post something that's gonna make you happy," and I just stayed quiet. I waited, and then I saw it, and I'm like, "Okay, yeah, that's that's." Mm -hmm. Merry Christmas, Happy Birthday, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really hope they use him in DCU in the future, because you know there are projects that that are being written off or they were announced and they're not in works anymore. Yeah. Just like Constantine. With, but thankfully, Constantine still works. Yeah. Do you guys Maybe. think, given what we know, given where it ended, given um, the other Scarab, should there be a sequel? And what do you, if so, what do you think should it have? Well, we got to find Ted Gord. We got to see what happened there. I want to know yeah. about those other Scarabs. I mean, I saw red, green, blue, and yellow, purple. and purple. All the Power Rangers now. Pretty much. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. I think that I think it was Anhel Manuel Soto that said that his plan for the villains were the Black Scarab and bringing back that cord and the what was it the third one you mentioned it red on DM it was the another villain holy holy shit I forgot oh, about I you yeah yeah but I think as a trilogy then. That's what we can expect. I mean, I don't think Khan will interfere in it, interfere in it as much as he would in different projects. Like, Blue Beetle is a really solid movie. Like, it has good reviews, good audience score, good critic score. So there's no need to, you know, to say this movie is bad, it had bad box office and all that. Every DC movie recently had a bad box office mm -hmm. score. So, yeah, so there's not an excuse anymore, not an argument. But I feel that as soon as we start off with Superman, at least half of those movies will have a really decent box office score. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're bringing freaking Keanu Reeves to play John Constantine this movie will earn a lot of money like it's still in works they're bringing Juman Hunsu as uh, the Papa Midnight back so uh, Peter Stormer so those movies are gonna be really really good and they're gonna earn a lot of money so you can't use the excuse that Blue Beetle The Flash didn't earn a lot of money of course Aquaman won't earn a lot of money, but I don't want to sh talk about this movie anymore. I'm not going to destroy this beautiful podcast about family. Uh, one thing, though, is the director did sometime over this week and say he had always had in mind 
Jason Sudeikis is Tish. So I mean, yeah. Oh, perfect. Ted I mean, the of came from the horse's <laughs> mouth. So there you go. He, he's good at playing Ted's. I was going to say, I'm, yeah, Ted Lasso, Ted Gord. I'm going to choose to believe, and I think that's a good moment to, to end the podcast because we're just at time. So thank you for listening. Uh, this has been the Cosmic Circle, and we were chatting Blue Beetle. Um, I'm Isla Ruby. Gentlemen, who are you? How did you get into my house and on my computer? Um, but really, how, how can we find your writing? Where can we you know, learn more about you? I'm Anthony Flagg, and if you translate to Spanish, it's Antonio Banderas, and that's where I came up with this name. I figured now would be just as good a time to ever bring it up. If you ever want to find me on Twitter, X, whatever the hell you want to call it now, it's at Rodova underscore, signing off. Y buenas tardes. How about Buenas you, Buenas noches, Vic. Buenas noches. I'm Vic. Uh, I was Vic or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at Eric Sarke on Twitter, X, whatever. And there are some good DC stuff coming soon. Some big things. So get ready. And you can, and you can find me on Twitter at T-U-L-I or X, whatever it is, T-U-L-I-N writes. And you can find us all at thecosmiccircus.com. Um, happy, happy listening. Hasta la próxima. <laughs>